Welcome to the program. This evening I am happy to introduce to you a former Catholic who has a great love for Catholics and actual fact goes back to uh, the nation where I spent most of my years as a Catholic priest, 21 years, Trinidad. And in talking to Clarence, I find that he knows Trinidad and we can talk about names of different towns and cities and feel quite comfortable speaking of our love for the Catholics and in Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago, those two islands that are one nation. So I want to hear uh, Clarence's testimony and so I've asked him to share with you today so that we could feel the joy of his salvation. Somebody who, as he will explain to you, did not really find anything in religion, but now finds a fullness of life in Christ Jesus. Welcome, Clarence Hafflin, to the program. Thank you. And, Clarence, to begin with, uh, can you tell which state and which uh, city or town you grew up with here in the United States and who your parents were? Uh, I was born in Hamilton, New York, which is upstate New York in the country. I'm a farm boy, and uh, my father is Clarence and Thelma, my mother, Ethlyn, and uh, grew up in rural New York. And was this a Catholic family, and were you Catholic practices, or, you know, were you going to Mass and getting ready for sacraments, and, you know, did you know anything about being an altar boy or serving the priest in the church, or, you know, had you anything to do with all those traditional Catholic uh, values that are known so well. Yes, I'd say that, uh, especially in my early, earlier life, uh, we were more, as a family, devout in uh, Catholicism. I was raised Catholic. Uh, in my younger life, I can remember we were in church every Sunday and went to Mass and Communion. Uh, I remember my first Communion and Confession and uh, different sacraments of the church. I was an altar boy uh, for probably about six years and mm-hmm. uh, served in the church. Um, as an altar boy and as a Catholic, can you remember anything about your first communion or your confirmation? Did that have an impact on you? Um, I would say that I can remember it, certainly, but... Uh, uh, it didn't really have an impact on my life. Um, it was something that I did because everybody else in my class was doing it. I didn't understand the the importance of it. Or there was nothing on the inside of me that uh, uh, compelled me to do it. It was just something that I was supposed to do. Uh, did you uh, pray the rosary or do any of the Catholic devotionals at home? Um, we didn't pray the rosary in our home as I was growing up, although, like I said, we'd go to Mass, we'd go to confession, uh, holy days of obligation and such as that. But did you find any satisfaction or any fulfillment in, in all that you were doing as a young person? Did you say, well, this makes sense and this is helping me and, you know, areas of my life as a young person, I'm learning about Jesus Christ and I'm growing in my love for Jesus Christ and for God and the Father and I'm 
you know, advancing in wisdom and, you know, holiness before God? Did you feel any fulfillment in, in the things that you were doing? Um, I did go to catechism class and was instructed, you know, in religious education. Uh, it was more facts and figures. Uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't precious to me uh, at that point of my life. It was more something I did because that's what I was expected to do, and that's what everyone else did. And uh, it was more, I guess. Uh, unpersonal. Yes. Uh, did it keep you out of the, um, you know, the wayward lifestyle? It's your age group. You know, drugs were coming in, and uh, you know, from the 60s on, you know, we had this uh, really de-evolution of society, and uh, people getting into drugs and all types of, you know. Uh, immoral behavior um, did you know, your Catholic practices preserve you from those things in your early teenage days uh, no actually in many ways it left me I'd say more prey towards it because you know I I would have thought in my reasoning as a, a young person that that I had tried religion and I had gone to church and it hadn't done anything for me personally. It was more exterior, it was more something outside, uh, like religion. And it left a great void in my life. Even as a very young person, very young, I can remember saying, you know, there's got to be more to life than this. There's something mm -hmm. missing. Mm -hmm. and so I, it, I, because of that void in my life, uh, I began to seek after drugs and alcohol and and uh, that kind of lifestyle simply because I was searching for something real something that would make a difference in my life something that would last and, and mm -hmm. work and, mm -hmm. and uh, fulfill the, the real inner need of my, of my being well how far did you go you know some people you know, did one or two marijuana joints and you know and just went on as life as usual. But was did you get deeply into these things, or was it just casual, uh, you know, touching of drugs? Well, it usually starts out very casually. But uh, I started with drugs and alcohol about 12 years old, and um, it grew much more intense to where there was some years of my life when there was never a moment where I wasn't under the influence of drugs. So I, I did get quite involved with hard drugs and with crime, with uh, alcohol, uh, riding with motorcycle gangs, and uh, and a whole lifestyle that that uh, I was searching and said there's got to be something more. And uh, so I probably went way off onto the left side of the base. Mm -hmm. Yes, I know some of the stories of some of the things that happened with those motorcycle gangs and the. Uh, people ODing on drugs and everything. Did you actually ever OD or find yourself waking up, you know, after having a bad night the night before? Yes, many times. Mm -hmm. I think back on it and know that uh, the grace of God spared my life so many times and uh, that God had a purpose in sparing my life. And though I was so empty and so lost and so deceived, uh, God's grace was still there to, to me as a lost person. Yes. Well, how did 
the grace of God breakthrough. I know I'm speaking for the listener, Clarence, who wants to know about you. How did the grace of God penetrate you, you know, who are a callous, hardened sinner? You know, you've been 12 years old and into your teens, from what I gathered that you say, you know, many years living in drugs and wickedness and crime. Uh, that is callous. You know, I mean, it's, it's hardened, you know, um, type of wicked lifestyle. And how did the grace of God penetrate, you know, through the hard shell that you had built up, you know, in, in this, these sinful ways? I have to summarize, I guess, a bit here. But uh, God had to bring me to the end of myself. Uh, many of the things that I sought after disappointed me and again that question I had where is it really at it's like the world will uh, the world and, and religion and, and, and the philosophies of the world will paint beautiful pictures have this or do that you'll be happy and I'd go there and I wasn't happy you know it was like a mirage I drank of many things but I was still thirsty and I, I tried many things but one after another I'd if I can just have this or do this or accomplish that, I'll be happy. I, I became very discouraged and disappointed in, in all those things. And uh, I guess probably one of the giant factors in my life after riding with gangs and, and uh, I ended up in Florida, uh, my brother Leo, who was four years older than me and myself, took jobs on big farms in Florida and we milked cows, milked a thousand cows. And while we were there, we were kind of isolated from many of the influences we had uh, back home. And uh, my brother got saved. Somebody led him to the Lord, and there was a radical change in his life. And he was the first that told me of the gospel. And uh, he came to me and said uh, how he had been a sinner and he had gotten saved from his sins. And. Uh, he told me that I was a sinner. And that's where the trouble began. Uh, right there and then, and this is probably one of the giant factors of my life that's changed it, uh, I said to my brother, I got angry, I said, I'm not a sinner. God wouldn't send me to hell. You can see how sin is very blinding. Uh, I, and my reaction was, I said, I'm not a sinner. God wouldn't send me to hell. I've never killed anyone. That was the only commandment I hadn't broke. So I held it up and said, I've never killed anybody. God wouldn't send me to hell. I'm not a sinner. And believe it or not, blind as it may sound, I was sincere. I didn't think that I was really a sinner. But from that point in my life, for the next six months, God in His mercy, it was like He shut a light off in my life right there and then. And before that, in a sense, I was like an innocent sinner. And if there's such a thing, we're all guilty. We're all doomed because of our sin. We're all separated from God. But God allowed my sin. Before that, I could get away with it. But after that, everywhere as I turned, I got caught. And my sin found me out from the piles of the past. It would jump in front of me. And by the time six months was up, I, I knew I was a sinner. God, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And I, I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't know how to be saved from my sin, but I just began to, to pray to God, say, God, 
Now I know I'm a sinner. Mm -hmm. I'm convinced of it. What should I do? I'll do anything, God, to get rid of this burden and this sin. But I didn't know what to do. Yeah, well, that is the essential part of the gospel. It really is bad news, but it's an essential part to know that you're a sinner. It was just in reading the Bible in my own life that finally I got convicted that Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 is true. You've been dead in trespasses and sins. And I said, there's nothing good in me. And I've always said how good a person I was and how good a priest I was and, and then how good I was at searching into the Bible as a Catholic priest and as a charismatic priest. And I always, you know, took some pride in my searching, you know, the different things I, I've been in through marriage encounter, parish encounter as a priest and through the St. Vincent de Paul movements, Legion of Mary. And if there was anything going in renewal, I was in it, the charismatic renewal and mixed with the Pentecostals, the Assemblies of God. And uh, I was all gone whole. And then I got awakened to the world of reality by the scripture, but you being dead in trespasses and sins. And God just lit it up to me and showed that I'm a destitute sinner. And uh, so I can identify with what you're saying, that the Holy Spirit does show you. And uh, when you ask him to show me who I really am, he will show you. And that is the beginning of the gospel because the gospel is that Christ Jesus gave his life for sinners. And unless you realize that you're a sinner, you don't qualify as a subject of the gospel. You know, you, you're, not, uh, you're not somebody to whom the gospel is given because it's given to sinners. And... So it's difficult to say these things, but it is quite necessary because uh, what you bring out is really emphatic. Now, your brother gave you the gospel and you were obviously getting into some scripture. Were there any particular verses that were resonating in your mind or that, you know, really pricked you at the time or, you know, truly ministered to you? Well, I have to say... I was wrestling with more the fact that I wasn't a sinner, trying to justify myself. Mm -hmm. uh, my brother was a brand new convert, undiscipled, didn't know how to share the gospel. And so I didn't hear the gospel during that time. I, mm -hmm. I, had, never, I had never read scripture, never heard the Bible, nobody ever presented the Romans road. So uh, I guess God allowed the darkness of my sin to, to show me uh, how lost I was, and uh, I didn't have any hope during those days as I began to see myself as a sinner. Yeah, now, well, that's great, but uh, you just don't rejoice in the fact that you're a sinner because uh, <laughs> uh, it's not a very pleasant experience. You talked about the darkness. I know what it feels like myself when you are absolutely convinced that you know, there's nothing you can do. And I try to make it, deals with God. I know, <laughs> and, and it doesn't work. Oh. <laughs> He's not going to have it anyway except His way. But what is His way? And how did the light of the Scripture finally beam on you, you know, with the, with the 
message that uh, it's him and him alone that brings redemption. What verses finally penetrated or how did you actually learn that he took our sins on his body on the tree to put it in Peter's words how did it how did it actually penetrate because the Holy Spirit uses his written word you know in salvation I would say the the very pivot point and factor of my life although God was working in my life during those days for about six months was that finally my brother invited me to go to church and um uh, for the first time, uh, I was 20 years old. Uh, I went to church after many years of uh, not being in church. And as I went to this church service, uh, I rode in on my old 1940 Harley with my long hair and my leather jackets and chains. Mm-hmm. And um, when I got to the church, I got off my Harley. My brother still had his Harley. He rode in on a chopper. And... and uh, some people came out and they, they walked up to us, came right out of the church. And I remember them reaching out their hand and shaking their hand and saying, we're glad you're here. Come on in. And as I went into that church, I saw people like I'd never met before. They were happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember meeting, you know, said, we're glad you're here. Sit down. And they begin to sing hymns. And the old words to those old hymns, the the power of the truth, you know. Yes, yes, and, yes. Uh, they would stand up and give testimonies of how Christ yeah. saved them. And, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, there was something different about them and uh, the whole place and surrounding. And uh, I heard the gospel for my first time. Yes, yes. Preached or preached the gospel. Yes, uh, yes. It's been 28 years ago, but I remember that message clearly right now. Well, what was, can you remember parts of the message? Or Very much what? so. You will tell me. I might know that the listener wants to hear it. <laughs> it was a clear and concise, about an eight-minute message on mm-hmm. Psalms 23. The preacher said, The Lord is my shepherd. And uh, he said, Who is yours? Who has been leading your path? He said, He leadeth me. And uh, he said, uh, Who has been leading your life? And I realized it wasn't God. Mm-hmm. That the path that I had plotted, I had led my own. And it had led me to a lot of sorrow and a lot of regrets and a lot of shame. And the Holy Spirit helped me see. I, my life was a mess because of my sin. That was a problem. And mm-hmm. I had been... That was my choice. Mm-hmm. And I had gone the wrong direction. But God was calling me, I'll be your shepherd. Mm-hmm. I'll lead you. Mm-hmm. He said, He leadeth me. And He talked about the green pastures and mm-hmm. beside the still waters. And then He said, He restoreth my soul. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I knew when he was talking, my soul needed to be restored. Yeah, it was filled with sorrow and brokenness and regret and sad stories and, mm-hmm. and uh, loss and emptiness and mm-hmm. the darkness of sin. God shined his light of conviction upon it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was carrying that burden. And he talked about the uh, restoring of the soul and uh, how if you come to Christ as your shepherd, Said he, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Yes. He said, can't be a shadow unless there's a light. And he said, Christ is that light. You know, yes. he'll take you through even the dark places. Yes. By the time he got through with that eight-minute message, all I knew was that I was a sinner, and they said, Christ shall save you. 
If you receive Christ and Him alone, it's, it's Jesus plus nothing. Amen. But yes. if you'll come to Christ, yes, it's yes. not being good enough, it's not trying to get rid of your own sins or making your life better, but if you'll come to Him, yes. He's the good shepherd. Yeah, yes, yes. You know, he'll, he'll lead you in those paths. He'll meet you where you're at. And they gave a gospel invitation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't care who was there. Yeah, yeah. I was that. I was that. I was the one. I yeah, knew I was the one they were talking to. Yeah, yeah. God smote my heart and convicted me, and I was prepared. I just went forward, and there I, I knelt and trusted Christ alone for my salvation. Yes, you really rest on Him, don't you? And that is, it is an absolute rest that you're never the same again. I can see some of the joy in your face even now as you remember back to. Those that particular day, uh, it is the, the shepherd says in John 10, as he speaks about himself as the good shepherd, Christ Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and follow me. They hear his voice. And that's why I'm talking to Clarence today, is that his sheep hear his voice. And it's the same for you precious listener that he is the shepherd and he is the one who can restore your soul and so that you can say yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil that takes a lot of saying to really mean it that you're not going to fear any evil that his goodness and kindness follow you all the days of your life all the glorious promises of of that uh, wondrous psalm and is he your shepherd because if he's not it will always be dark valleys and voids and pits as you spoke about Clarence whether it's overt sin or hidden sin or lustful sin of the mind we're all trapped if we don't run to Christ and trust Him and Him alone. I love the way you say that because you were brought up Catholic like I was and it was, we prayed to uh, Christ, of course, and the Father, but we prayed to Mary and we prayed to saints and I prayed to Anthony and, you know, some other people prayed, particularly to Jude. And, you know, we had um, different saints of different departments uh, whereby, you know, you you uh, had these people that you ran to as well and Christ said that I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father except through me you only have one way and when you say that you trusted on him only or alone uh, I know exactly what you mean and how hard that is coming from a Catholic background because the whole tendency the whole inclination of the way you're brought up is like uh, like in Catholicism, you know the the prayer, the memorare. Remember, most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone affected thy protection, implored thy aid, or sought the intercession was left unaided, inspired with this compass of flying to thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. And I could go on and on with that prayer. Uh, I pray that many times as a Catholic, and it was just destitute because. Mary does not have the attributes of God to hear prayer worldwide and in all languages. She would have to be God to be able to hear prayer. 
immediately in every part of the world and um, she is not the saviour she is a beautiful Bible believer but not the saviour so when you say Clarence that you trusted on Christ alone that is precious to me and I'm trusted as precious to a Catholic listener there who is struggling because it's not just you who have gone through turmoil as a young Catholic boy there's others who have grown up in farms and gone to Florida or other parts of the state and got into the motorcycle gangs and you know got onto hard liquor and drugs and many know those dark valleys that you've gone through Clarence and they they have to know the light now the light went on and the joy came in but uh we know other joys in life, you know, and they come and they go and, you know, you're disappointed after a while. Have you been disappointed later on with this shepherd, you know, who has, uh, you know, was leading you that day and that led you to salvation? There's been times when I've been disappointed with myself. But <laughs> I've never been disappointed with the Lord. He's never let me down. He's been faithful. Uh, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Mm-hmm. even to the end of the world. Yes, know. yes. Just, uh, God's been so good to me. I, isn't it so precious? I uh, Sometimes if I'm inclined to get despondent, and I was telling a good friend of mine, Greg Bentley, recently, uh, I was telling him, when I get despondent, you know, Greg, I said, I go and I read Peter chapter 1, where he speaks about the joy unspeakable and full of glory and that we're kept by the power of God by faith I mean what more power can you get you know even last night uh, we've worked a lot here in upstate Rome New York and I was exhausted so much so you know you get exhausted that you can't sleep and I said you know my God you're the one with all power you just have to you just have to put me to sleep because I'm too keyed up and, you know, I've got work to do tomorrow. But you are my father. And, you know, the scriptures said I'm kept by the power of God and that's great power, you know. And I just said, I'm resting on you. And I slept and praise God. And it was just another way of God showing himself real, you know. It's even, that's no big thing, but it is a big thing if you awake for a few hours in the night. But it's, you know, measured to other problems, but it's the same in all things. He says, the hairs of your head are numbered, even your white hair, Clarence. <laughs> uh, you know, the hairs of your head are numbered. That means that he, he looks after everything. It's not just, it's all the details. He's interested in all the little things. And so you can take your concerns to him and then you have this joy of seeing prayer fulfilled. Uh, I'm sorry to go on a little bit here, but I'm sorry to get some... I'm sort of uh, being uh, infected by the joy that I can see in you and the, you know, the exuberance. I, I remember when I had come back, this was after I left the priesthood and gotten married and then went out to a year for China and then I came back and went to Bible college. We ran out of money mm. and... Uh, I wanted money for the gas for the car to get back to Atlanta and I wrote in my prayer journal after praying to the Lord that 
most of all I want a touch of your hand I want to sense your loving arms I need that much more than the money I know that you're there but show me again and I said I, I don't want to be presumptuous but I said Abba Father please give me the money in multiples of five so that I know it's your personal gift your signature is on it and it was about three days later a blind man uh, said there was a mistake as he had typed a check on the computer he had typed a check for uh, $300 instead of uh, instead of 30 and uh, no it was five, $600 instead of instead of um, uh, instead of 60 that was it and he got back a check for um, for $540 and then he said Richard I'd like you to have this $500 to help you in your you know where your ministry was going to go after this and I said thank you Lord you mean because and then an, an old missionary who had been retired a long time from the mission field said the Lord put it on my heart just to give you a check for $500 and you know the money was so small compared to understanding that my Abba Father had been gracious to show me a particular prayer answered, you know, that I was asking him, I hope this is not wrong, but I just wanted to know your precious love in the midst of how you provide. And he is so gracious to us that he, he continually surprised us us by joy in, in our walk with him and that is so rich that it's not that we are we are people who have given up religion you know we're people who have come into a relationship with Amen. the father and that's uh, if you want to say you and I Clarence we're fulfilled Catholics <laughs> we're, we're people who reach where Catholics would want to be they want to please God and they would love to know and be in, have an intimate relationship with God and this is a fulfillment of the desires of the human heart if it can only deal with sin and sin is dealt with as you explain by coming to the Savior and looking to him to not only forgive your sins but to declare that you are complete in him that you have his perfection like Paul said we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power now uh, Clarence uh, what happened after that you're on a farm you're still riding your motorcycle you still have your long hair nothing wrong with that you know as such and uh, you know, do you continue on your motorcycle and your long hair and uh, you, do you continue working uh, there in the farm in Florida? What happens? I guess at that point of my life, uh, when I rode out of that church, I didn't have any big experience. I didn't see any stars or uh, rainbows. But uh, as I rode out of that church, I was on my Harley. I was going back to the farm. Uh, you know, the Bible says that God's Spirit shall witness to our spirit. Mm -hmm. And the only thing I knew is that my sins were forgiven. And I remember going back to the farm to milk the cows that night. Uh, I said to my brother, you know, for the first time in my life, I feel clean. I, I'm forgiven. And I told him the statement. I wished I 
could have kept it, but it was my heart's desire. I said, I don't want to sin no more. Praise God. Yeah, you, you see, when you turn your back on something, it's, you know, that's true repentance. You, you don't want to do it no more. God changed my heart towards mm-hmm, sin. Mm-hmm. And so I was a farmer. It just began a new farm, my brother and I, at that point. Uh, we had rode into that farm. My brother was just newly converted. And uh, I just became a Christian just as we were beginning that farm. And uh, so I went back to milk the cows. All our neighbors, they didn't know. Here we were. They saw us ride into town on our Harleys mm-hmm. with long hair. And, and uh, they said, uh, we'll give them six months <laughs> and they'll ride out of town. But uh, what they didn't know is that you know, God had came into our lives, both of us, and we began to base our life on the Bible, the Word of God, and uh, began to make decisions accordingly. And uh, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. And mm-hmm. uh, as I continued to... I didn't change all at once. The exterior was the same. Mm-hmm. I had the long hair. I had the motorcycle. But I began to carry my... I got me a big old Bible. I began to carry it with me wherever I went on my Harley. Or, <laughs> and uh, I had a joy in my heart that I still have that has never gone away. That yeah. just, I, I love to tell people the old, old story that changed my life uh, because, uh, you know, one step at a time. Yeah, you know, yeah. as I had cares like you were expressing. Yeah, yeah. First Peter 5 7 says, Casting all your cares upon him. Yeah, yeah. He careth for you. Yeah. I'd love to have a picture of you way back then on your Harley <laughs> with your Bible, you know, when you're riding out of town in your probably black red leather jacket. Uh, but the great thing is that you had the joy of the Lord in your heart and you knew that your sin was taken away and that you were in Christ yeah. secure. And that, that was just, just glorious. Now obviously one day you left the farm. So what, what happened and why did you change occupation? Or how to, what way did the Lord lead you? Well, there were several years that transpired as God began to bring forth in my life a lot of changes. Um, I, I had already quit uh, smoking marijuana uh, previous to just before I was converted. Uh, I was. I, I told my brother. My brother asked me, "When are you gonna come to Christ?" I did, really didn't know what he meant, but I told him as soon as I get rid of all this weed, I was dealing marijuana, and, and uh, then I'll come to the Lord. You know, and uh, God. Can be. My brother told me, he says, you know, you better not wait. He said, Satan might kill you before you get a chance. And so I threw all my weed away. I'd quit, I'd quit a lot of things like that in my life, but I still wasn't saved. Mm-hmm. You can't clean your life up to get saved. You, you get saved by the grace of God. And so uh, uh, these things began to go in my life. The drugs, the alcohol. came a point when I got a haircut, you know. And uh, God began to change my life as I got became part of a local church and uh, uh, began to get involved in Bible studies and studying the Word of God. Jesus said, if you continue my Word, you'll know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And a lot of those things, just one step at a time, it didn't all happen at once, but uh, I remember saying, well, once I quit this, then there will be nothing between me and Christ, you know. And uh, He graciously gave me joy as I let go of the old and God brought forth new. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I began to uh, uh, 
seek the Lord in my life, uh, there came a point where God called me to preach and uh, put a burden on my heart one day when I was in prayer where I just knew that that's what God wanted for me. And I struggled with it greatly because I hadn't even been to high school. Uh, I didn't have any education. I quit school when I was 13, went to work on a farm. And uh, I didn't like to speak in front of people. I was nervous. I'd shake. You know, I, I just said, God, it can't be me. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> God chooses the foolish sometimes to confound the wise. Yeah. And uh, I knew God had called me to preach the gospel. So I went to my pastor yeah. and, uh, and the church. And uh, my pastor said, confirmed that. I've seen that in you, Clarence. I believe this is God's will. He asked, I said, well, where do I start? He says, well... He says, you know, what about your education? I said, well, I haven't been to high school. He said, that's where you need to start. And uh, so I went and got a GED and uh, went out to Bible college and, and prepared for the ministry and uh, began to preach right along at the same time, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I guess it was the call of God on my life that uh, I just I've always had a burden from the very moment that I received such the great, greatest gift of all the gift of God, eternal life, to, to help others to, to realize the joy that they can have. They're searching, like I was, many people, mm-hmm. saying, where is it really at life? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? Got to be something more. Now, what about your family, your parents? You know, you were growing up Catholic with them as Catholic. Did you tell them the good news? That oh, it was good news to me, but it wasn't to them at that point of their lives. Yeah. Uh, they were disappointed. They were hurt that I would uh, uh, leave the church and uh, look to anything else but the church. And that's the way I was raised. And, and uh, there came a point that they were happy to see the changes in my life, but there was some friction because of uh, 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 out of the changes in my life, uh, uh, I changed the church that I was going to. And... Uh, uh, there came a point where I had to leave off and uh, my dad, he cried. He said, well, I wish he'd come back to the church. And, but there came a point in our lives when, when after I went to Bible college that uh, I was able to see them come to church. I made a deal with them. They said, I invited them to come. My dad said, if you, he said, well, why don't you come to my church? I said, I'll go to your church with you. Uh, this week, if you go to my church with me next week. We made a deal. We did that. For several months, and they heard the word of God, and I couldn't change them. I had to leave off. We couldn't talk about it too much, uh, but you know, God knows how to work in people's lives, and got a hold of the heart, and they were converted. <laughs> Praise and, uh, God! Yeah, and uh, God did some great things. In were they quite life. elderly at the time? Or? Yes, my dad had spent seventy years in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church at that point, and uh, but God gave him another. Uh, uh, another about 18 years mm-hmm. uh, of life, and he left a good testimony, passed on to glory uh, mm-hmm. last February. But uh, uh, my dad left a good testimony of a faith in Christ. Praise God. My mother also. It's lovely seeing older people come to the Lord, you know, who are traditional Catholics all their life. Uh, Bob Bush, uh, you know, he's one of the. 50 converted priests in our book Far From Romeo to God uh, he tried to witness to his father after he was saved his father was 82 and his father and mother wouldn't listen 
And then they went back to Mass one Sunday and the priest decided to put a statue of St. Anne on the altar and to pray to St. Anne and do some dedication of the people to St. Anne. Mm-hmm. And Bob Bush's father said, my eyes opened, you know, that this praying and dedicating yourself to a statue and a saint is, is just not what the scripture says. It's, it's, it's recognition of who God is and worshipping him. And uh, They just got totally taken aback by this, you know, this thing which is quite minor in Catholicism. And, and uh, they came home and asked Bob again what was he believed and he said trusted Christ and Christ alone and you know it was by grace the power of God and trusting Christ and knowing that you're a sinner and you can't save yourself and they said yes we recognize that and we want to trust God alone and finally they just burst out in praise that they trusted Christ alone and I met Mr. Bush Sr. Uh, a while after that and it was such a joy he was now in an old folks home and he was just beaming over and he just wanted to go and reach to other people in that old folks home and there he was having been converted you know, from the Catholic Church age 82 and he's evangelizing and giving the word such a joy in him that I was really edified and I, I really thank God to have met uh, Bob Bush, uh, Bob Bush's uh, father, and um, it was such a joy to me, just as it's a joy to see Bob continuing in ministry there in California at the moment. Well, to get back to you, Clarence, now you're out of Bible college and uh, you want to preach the gospel, so how did you begin preaching the gospel? Well, it began... Uh right back at home in my own country. Um, uh, I began a Bible study in my area and uh, there, out of that Bible study, we grew into a church and uh, began to pray God would open up the building. And uh, uh, he opened up a a church building that had been closed for us. It had been closed. It was an old uh, United Methodist building that had been closed 46 years. And uh, they sold the building to us for a thousand dollars. Wow! And uh, pews, organ, piano, stained glass windows, bell in the tower, and just began to visit people, knock doors. I was a single pastor at the time, pastored about six years single, and uh, just knocked doors day and night, telling people about Jesus, and uh, inviting them to church, but uh, moreover inviting them to come to know the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. They could change and transform their lives. Mm-hmm. Pick up the broken pieces and put them back together again. Mm-hmm. No life too broken for God's love to repair. Amen and amen. So that was glorious beginning of your preaching. Yeah. Uh, well, how has it developed? Because I'm, <clears throat> I don't want to jump too much ahead, but I, I really don't want to miss the opportunity of speaking about the, you know, Trinidad that I know so well and St. Lucia, Barbados, if you've ever been there, Grenada and uh, the different islands of the Caribbean uh, having lived in the Caribbean for 21 years so can you give um, you know fairly quickly how your preaching there at a local church uh, somehow developed into this ministry of going overseas 
Okay, uh, there there was a change in my life. It's like we pastored. I pastored about uh, six years and got married. Pastored another three years. Um, after about nine years, we uh, completed that ministry, and uh, uh, another pastor came, and we were in between and began to seek God's will. Uh, uh, I had many meetings that people wanted us to go to uh, to preach meetings when I after I finished the church there there was other churches I'd preached and they said come and do meetings but my wife was about to have a baby and we came off the road for uh, and we said you know we we got to get a, a home church here and and uh, sought a home church and and uh, it was during those uh, times when we were at home that uh, God really spoke to us that uh, called me to kind of a, a new ministry in missionary evangelism mm-hmm. uh, burdened my heart uh, I guess I've always had the heart of an evangelist mm-hmm. always had a burden to reach the lost and uh, uh, it was you know through that that we uh, in that in those early days of when we joined that church they had an evangelist in that had been traveling to many of the places you've talked about Ganada and in the West Indies and Africa and many different places and and uh, I guess he came there. We had the we had the, the evangelist in for dinner at our home and, and got talking and, and God just so clearly just directed us into the area of missionary evangelism and uh, that's been this is, this will be our twelfth year since those days uh, when we began and we simply sat in our heart that we'd go anywhere in uh, the world, regardless of size, location, or finances, I work with helping nationals as well as uh, church planners and pastors, that uh, missionaries uh, in church planning, in uh, visitation, evangelism, revival meetings, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been doing that uh, across the years. But uh, we've had the joy to go many of those islands, mm-hmm. Barbados. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, have you been, like, to, I presume to Port of Spain, because you go to Trinidad, Port of Spain is the capital, but have you been to San Fernando or Sangre Grande, where I finished up, uh, in Sangre Grande or Mayaro, you know, the coastal uh, town? Have you been to any of those places, and have you given any uh, revival meetings there in, in Trinidad? I have. I have. Uh, uh, Port of Spain was one of the uh, first places where you... We were at as we did revival meetings there in Port of Spain. Uh, we went on to Port uh, Fortin. Yeah, Fortin. Yes. Yeah, in, in the south. Yeah. In the south. Yeah. Uh, Guanaguana, is that right? Uh, I'm trying to remember how to pronounce uh, some of the names. I don't know. We Guayaguayari. 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 It's yeah. hard to pronounce. <laughs> uh, Guayaguayari. Yes, it's a. Yeah. It's a, It's further south than Mayaro that I spoke about. Uh, yeah. I knew Guayaguayari very, very, very well, and uh, an interesting village um, uh, indeed. You know, and um, so uh, have you preached in some of those villages? Uh, Yes, yes, I have, I yeah, have. Yeah. And, uh, well, they are predominantly Catholic, I know, because I was parish priest of Guayaguayari. It was, it was a, an outstation to Mayaro, which was in Radix village, which is a, really a, a smaller section of Mayaro. But uh, okay. how were you received there? Um, 
I believe we had some very effective meetings. Um, I, I would say that probably one of the, uh, it wasn't in Sanford, San, I will say that again. San Fernando? Yes. It wasn't too far from there, a place called Enterprise. Are you yes, I know Enterprise. Okay. Yes, yes. yes. Uh, we, had a, we had a very, very a good week of meetings there, uh, exceptionally well. We've seen some, some very powerful conversions and, and uh, some great things come out of it. We had an mm -hmm. old-fashioned quitting meeting. Mm -hmm. That's what, uh, uh, what it kind of turned into. What's a quitting meeting? I never heard of that terminology. <laughs> well, it came out of some of the old, uh, old-time preaching uh, that you know people would take a look and focus at their life and their relationship with Christ and uh, gain an eternal perspective. Of, is it what's stopping me from being a better Christian, or what's stopping me from being a Christian? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, and focus in on anything that's hindering my walk with God mm -hmm. and, uh, and just put it before the church. Uh, one of the things that we've seen that many times people go to the altar, they'll pray, God help me to quit this or do this and leave their cigarettes or you know, their habits, but you go back and get them. And uh, the, an old, the, the picture of a, a quitting meeting was the, based upon James chapter 5. You know, uh, if you confess your, 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 it says that, you know, you confess one to another, mm -hmm. you know, and that the, the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much to tap into the power of the local church. Mm -hmm. Instead of just, you know, many times people have gone to the altar, but to make yourself accountable. Mm -hmm. To go before the church, we had people come and say, we have wrong relationships. We have adulterous relationships. I have drinking problem. you know. I'm going to ask the church to pray for me. And before the Lord, I want help. Mm -hmm. And will you pray for me? And yeah, yeah. give an accountability. And, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, it first began with the Christians. Mm -hmm. But when the Christians got right, we had a lot of conversions from the outside. Yeah. People saw that something powerful was happening. Yes, people yes. got thoroughly right with the Lord. You know, yeah, the righteous, the, the prayer, the, the earnest prayer of the righteous man yep. availeth much. It really does avail. And when you pray that the grace of God will be seen and that it is His power to change lives, it's not that we give up in our own strength. It is that He gives us the grace. And as you said, not only healed relationships, but lives turn around as they trusted. On Christ alone. Can you say, uh, Clarence, if you know we have here before us, a, you know, a Catholic sincere person listening to this program, and and they're hurting in some ways and got through their dark valleys, and you have a chance now just to look into their eyes, as it were, you know, look look at as they are looking at you on camera. Uh, can you, what do you want to say to that person, Charles? What I really would like to communicate to that person is that, you know, there is a great difference between religion and a relationship with Christ. That many times, uh, like in the Old Testament, people went to the temple to try to find God. But it didn't work. You know, uh, the Ten Commandments were written in stone and they stood against people and condemned them. But God said, there's going to come a day when I'm going to change this. I'm going to write my commandments in their heart. And that's why 
God sent Christ to meet you right where you're at is that uh, He is Emmanuel. That's why we have Christmas. Uh, God with us. Jesus came. He's God with us. And that He came, not so we have to go to the temple to try to find God, but so we can become the temple. So Christ can come in our life and uh, that the, the commandments wouldn't be written on stone, but they'd be written in our heart. That God give us a new heart, a new spirit. That if you truly get uh, the gift of God, eternal life, if you receive Christ, that's what He came. He came to save us from our sins. And if you uh, put your faith and trust, not in a religion, but in, your, in the Lord Jesus and a relationship with Him, and He's your Savior, that you'll never be the same. Amen and amen, yes. God will reach you right where you're at. He can transform your life. Uh, He can pick up the broken pieces. There's no life too broken for God's love to repair. Yes, yes. I think you've really put your finger on it, Clarence, that there's no life too broken. Uh, I've seen broken lives um, in different parts of the world. in my year in China, if I left the priesthood, I there was a young man who was beaten up by the police, and he was a mess. And I have seen people really, not just physically beaten up, but people who were emotionally traumatized, and sometimes in the home situation, and sometimes by what happened, and on things that they did themselves. And you would say it's all over. They're just a mess. It, 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 nothing can be done you know what I mean and uh, and then you would just look into their eyes and say I am concerned but there's somebody much more concerned God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish and this is the God from all eternity who speaks that I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it is personal. You are precious in my eyes and I have loved you. And these are all words from the pages of Scripture. And can that ring true in your heart? Yes, dear friend, it can ring true for your heart. Because a humble and contrite heart he will not spurn. If you're just humble and contrite and you admit like Clarence said at the early on part of the story that he was a destitute sinner, admit that and say, God, give me the grace to trust on your beloved Son alone that he will be my Savior. Then you know that joy unspeakable and full of glory that we've been speaking of and Today's program really will become just the initiation part of your program because it's your walk with the Lord and we'd love to hear from you as you trust on Christ alone because that's what this is all about, isn't it, Clarence? This is all about is just trusting on God alone. And uh, is it Linda, your wife? Is that it? And and your children? I know that you must have joy in your family too as as you see these things. And I hope that if there's any Trinidadian listening, uh, we would say that don't be a Kunamuno. (laughs) (laughs) You know that word. Or a Kuyanar. They are two local Patwa words. They're 
a word for a fool and a word for a real uh, uh, the uttermost fool is a art in, in the pathful language in children. Don't be, don't be those because the people who have just gone on and say, well I'll leave it to some other day. Now is the hour of your salvation. Trust Christ and Christ alone. And then go on and say to the praise of the glory of his grace. Amen and amen. Clarence, thank you so much. It has been a joy to share the gospel with you. Thank you, brother. Amen. Praise God. It's been my pleasure. Praise God. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L, 3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.